and welcome to a brand new episode of Greg and Chad's Power Half Hour on the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. I'm in the Midwest. My name is Greg Mahachko, and the co-host on the West Coast is at Chad Smart. Chad, another week, another... I'm, I'm, you've, you've pulled me in. It's not just a not my demographic. You know, when we started this, that very first one, She-Devil, and I had to ask my wife... I said, "What? What's a movie that's not my demographic?" And she said, I don't know, "Anything with Meryl Streep in it." We've really expanded our horizons, Chad. And this is actually a movie. Uh, well, first of all, before we get to that, um, hi, Chad. I always do that. I, I bury the lead. Hi, Chad. <laughs> How, how's it going? Yeah, this is definitely. I, I like that we've expanded because the not my demographic. I think we would have been watching uh, a lot of movies that we would have already prejudged. Had we gone that route? And so now it's finding those gems, those diamonds in the rough that, you know, you either overlooked them when they were in the theater, you didn't see them when they came out on video, or you, as in the case with this episode's film, didn't know the movie existed at all. And thanks to streaming platforms, you find it and say, what is this? And then you spend the next 90 minutes going, what is this? (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm going to stop you right there. Actually, I should have stopped you, you know, moments ago. You said diamonds in the rough, and this is two weeks after we watched and discussed Josh and Sam. Uh, so I'm going to start questioning your categorization of diamonds in the rough because that movie was hot garbage. This movie I actually really enjoyed. Uh, let's talk about it. Uh, we're going to play the trailer for you here in a minute. Uh, it is, uh, depending on what you know website you go to, 2017, 2018, uh, John, is it Hater? Heater? I want to say heater. I want to say header. Okay, well then, but what do I know? I've heard it both ways. And uh, anyway, aka Napoleon Dynamite in his younger years. Uh, and the movie is uh, the name of the movie. It's available on Hulu, and it's when Jeff tried to save the world. Here's the trailer. It was 1957 when Edgar D. Winkle first stepped into this building. Little did he know that it was to become the place we know and love, Winkie's World. Five, four, three, two, one. This is Jeff, manager of Winkie's World. Did you wipe the counters? 100%. I will 100% do it in the morning. Insurance isn't going to renew. We are basically a strip mall waiting to happen. I like working at Winkies. Goodbye, Jeff. Goodbye, Winkies world. There's got to be something we could do to change his mind. What if we tapped into that whole opening day thing? Is that a band? Hi. Who are you? Lindy didn't okay this with you. Who is this mysterious Samantha and where are you sexting her at work? Does anyone other than me know that you work at a bowling alley? What's this shirt? Jeff, are you having a mental breakdown? What do you want from me? An explanation would be really nice right now. I work here. This is my job. The original founder of Winkies is in this hospital. I love this place. Reminds me of the bowling alleys I used to come to as a kid. I want you to go over there and tell them how much you love working. Sell it. I don't understand bowling. 
and get this, some people, they call it a sport. <laughs> it is a sport. The building is an old lady, but she still has a few more good years left here. When Jeff tried to save the world, and, and you hear in the trailer there, the world, I, when, when I found that this is a Greg pick, uh, so maybe that's why I'm a little bit partial to it uh, compared to uh, my esteemed colleague here. Um, but I was just, I was browsing on Hulu, and I was just looking for anything that caught my attention that wasn't something that I'd heard of or something that I'd already you know, tagged as a, you know, put it on the list or put it in the queue or in your basket or whatever uh, it is there on Hulu. And I came across this independent film and I was like, what in the, I didn't even know that it was John Heater in it uh, until he shows up. Like I didn't even do that much, you know, research on it. I just said, okay, uh, when Jeff tried to save the world and I looked at the two-line description there. I said, oh, okay, it's a, it's a bowling alley, but, you know, trying to save the world, it's got to be bigger than that, you know, like it's, uh, it, it has to has to be larger than trying to save a bowling alley. And come to find out, it's not. Uh, and, and as you heard there in the trailer, uh, the name of the bowling alley is Winky's World, and uh, so that's why the world is, is the bowling alley in this case. Uh, I'm, I'm just... I, we're going to talk about it, but one of the things that I actually I wrote down a note on this movie in the opening credits, and I think you're going to be impressed with me, Chad. I wrote down, I, I, I was folding laundry while watching, and I wrote down a note, and I said that the opening credits seem routine, but there's some small attention to detail. When Jeff starts the coffee there at, just before opening the bowling alley, uh, you see his reflection in the coffee pot, but you also see the reflection of the neon credit as well, and I believe it was for the editor of the film. Uh, so I just thought that that was just a nice little touch, if you will. Um, let, let's let's talk a little bit about this movie, Chad. Um, you didn't obviously know about it either. What what was your first impression? Yeah, much like you, I I, I did not know anything of, of this film until you had mentioned it to me, and I did zero research. I didn't want to know anything about it until I hit play and go. So I was surprised when the credits came up and it said, John Hatter, heater, um, Napoleon. We're going to have to get calling. that. We're going to have to get that figured out and, and, uh, and agree on one, which one you want to go heater or header? <laughs> uh, let's do header. Okay. John header. That's probably wrong. So let's go that way. Uh, yeah, I did. So I didn't know anything about it and I, I actually watched it with a friend and we both, when we started the movie, we're like, well, the title is Tried to Save the World. So obviously he's got to fail at saving the world. Otherwise, it would be when Jeff saved the world. And I was expecting something, you know, maybe with aliens or zombies or something more than just a uh, let's save the bowling alley type film. So I didn't know what to expect and uh, got something that did not um, – match my my expectation which is a good thing i don't want you know i don't want to say that as a negative that just i didn't know what to expect from this movie and it completely went against all uh all expectations there was a bit of um you know oh, I, i'm going to either 
bring in the 90s crowd or I'm going to piss off a lot of people. But there was an air of damn the man, save the empire type of mentality, at least in, in uh, our our uh, protagonist Jeff's mindset. He was out to, look, uh, you learn a little bit more about him. You know, at one point his sister and uh, her roommate show up in his house and unexpected, you know, uh, uh, without calling head or anything like that. And, and she and the family think that he's some IT guy, you know, working at some big company and making good money. And they don't know, like he, he's not to say that he's ashamed to be a manager of the bowling alley, but, uh, there's a certain, a a certain, uh, piece that he finds in that routine of, uh, uh, you know, just being the manager and, and doing the same thing every day. And I mean, he's on anxiety medicine, so that's I think one of the reasons why he's not, you know, being forthcoming with his family about it. But he just wants to. I I, I think a lot of his motivation is that he just wants to maintain his status quo. He's like, you know what, the, this movie, you know, this not movie theater, but this uh, bowling alley's been here since the fifties. Uh, it, it's landmark, you know. That's that's kind of his motivation. He I don't think he really wants his. Uh, life, life or lifestyle to be upended at all. Yeah, I can see that. I, I think this movie, like my biggest problem with it, and, and I know I'm coming off as negative towards this film, which I don't want to do because it's, well, when we get the wrap up at the end, I'll explain more. But I think to me, this movie set a lot of uh, ideas in motion that never really played off or paid off. And part of that is, why Jeff hasn't told his, his family that he's working at the bowling alley or why he's not an IT or why, why this appeals to him. And I think it is, you know, part of it is the fact that he's on anxiety medication. I think this is like a, a, I'm guessing a less stressful job than the IT world, but it never really delves into the character. And I think the movie only takes place over about Two or three days, because I, I know they're setting up for Friday, and I don't know what day of the week it is when the movie starts. But it's all building up to this big uh, Friday fun day, but it really doesn't touch on a lot of the issues that they set up getting us there. No, no, I, I agree. Um, they, uh, from what I, you know, gleaned from, you know, the movie is that uh, the Owners are splitting up, and that uh, the wife who kind of runs the place, or you know, at least is in the office while Jeff runs the place, and the husband, who's played by Parks and Rec villain Jerry. Uh, oh, Jerry's not the villain. Well, come on, I mean, Jerry's a lovable. Jim, yeah, he goes against uh, Jim, Jim, Jim O'Hare. O'Hare. Yeah, he was, yeah, he goes against type in this movie and. And again, he's only in the movie for, I think, two or three scenes, and you don't really get a full sense of motive. Like, he's just like that evil uh, guy who's going to sell the bowling alley and doesn't care anything about it or its history. And he's just like, I'm here to sell the bowling alley. Yeah, he, he's, okay. he's in to make, he's, he's in for the business aspect of it. You know, he, he says, ah, this, this uh, location's going to be great for a strip mall or something like that. Uh, and, you know, to the point where he has the buyers coming in and Jeff's, you know, working on this family fun day because they've never seen the places packed as it is on family fun day, which is 
you know, he says, I don't think it's been, you know, uh, the owner says, I don't think it, we've had a live band since the grand opening, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but everybody's going and, and coming and trying to tell him, you know, all the reasons that it should stay, that you, or you've got Frank, the, um, I don't know, the handyman who says, I don't know, the electric, the wiring is garbage. It's going to take a ton of money to replace that. And, and uh, uh, Jim O'Hare's character says, well, that's fine. You guys were going to tear it down anyway, right? Perfect. You know, uh, let, less worry there. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, like you said, playing against type. Um, not, I don't want to call him evil, but perhaps uh, disrespecting the, the history of uh, of the bowling alley and the history that he has personally with the bowling alley. Uh, you, you hear his soon-to-be ex-wife or ex-wife, depending on when the papers were pushed through, say, uh, you know, that hit the husband Jim O'Hare's, you know, character's parents owned the bowling alley. He took her there on the first date, and then she says, that cheap son of a, you know, whatever, he, he brought me here because he knew he didn't have to pay for anything. You know, that type of thing. So it kind of always got the sense that maybe uh, that character had some business savviness to him, uh, either, you know, good or bad, depending on how, how you want to look yeah, at and it. Yeah, and it goes back into um, this idea of um, the wife is there kind of managing things, kind of not really. And Jim O'Hare, does, you know, the – the impression I got in the film is that he hasn't been around. He doesn't come into the bowling alley. And so he's just selling it off. And there's like, if his family owned it, if there's no, you don't get a sense of what he thought about the bowling alley as a business. It's just for him. It's a money. It's a way that to sell it, to make money or whatever else he has going on in life. You don't, his character is, is barely one dimensional in that regard. The, the movie does focus on Jeff. Uh, as I mentioned, he's on some anxiety medicine. Um, as the movie goes on, you know, he, he's got a reminder. He doesn't like using the phone. I think at one point uh, one of his coworkers says, hey, man, you're just going to have to, you know, suck it up and, and use the phone. His, his mom keeps calling and leaving voicemails and say, I know you don't like the phone, but if you could just call us back, you know, we're the, the concern that, you know, parents have. And it seems like, you know, he's got a loving family. He just maybe doesn't know how to bring up the situation that he's in with, with the, you know, to them. Um, but he's got a reminder on his phone at, I think, 10, 20 every evening. It says, uh, reminder, take pills or reminder pills. Um, so he has the anxiety medicine. He's, he's kind of made a habit of, of uh, you know, taking them. As I mentioned, his sister and her roommate kind of come down. They, they, get, they need a little bit of time away from med school and come down and they have gone out drinking the sister comes back drunk so she's sleeping on the couch and and uh jeff you know john uh header's character says to the roommate well you can have the bed uh or you can sleep in the bed oh don't worry i'll sleep out on the floor you know that type of thing and so he can't have he doesn't have the access to his meds at one point he takes them to work with him and leaves them kind of sitting around and and loses them essentially finds them later uh in the movie but uh it feel like as it as he has kind of inadvertently weaned himself off of these medications he's he's being more bold he's using the phone on the the eve of the uh you know family or a friday fun day and he's making phone calls to you know potential 
customers say, hey, this is what we're doing. You know, buy two or it's, a, it's buy one, get one free, you know, bowling, free pizza, live music. Come on down. We're trying to pack the place, have a lot of fun. Uh, bring the kids, tell your coworkers. He's emboldened. I don't know if that's a correlation or, or related to um, not having the medicine, but it definitely seemed like maybe the riders were trying to make a point that at, at, he kind of turned the page. He didn't necessarily need the medicine as much. Uh, you know, he ends up making out with uh, his sister's roommate, uh, you know, so they kind of uh, got along and maybe she's, I don't want to say the new drug or anything like that, but, you know, she maybe she's a catalyst in helping him, you know, forget about the anxiety meds. I don't know. I'm I'm not a psychologist, sociologist, doctor or anything. I just feel like there was some sort of correlation that the writers were trying to make in as he progressed through the movie, he didn't need to rely on the anxiety meds as much. Hmm. That's okay. That's a take. I, I did not see that. I, and I think it goes back to what I, what I was saying earlier about this movie being so underdeveloped is, you know, we don't know why he's taking the medication or what medication he's taking or how it affects him because yes, he, he skips, uh, a day or two of taking them. And I, you know, he's like you mentioned, he's using the phone. He's calling up all these customers that they have coming in, which when Friday fun day came around, I'm like, okay, do these people not have jobs or what, or school or what's going on? Because they seem to open in the morning and the place is packed. As soon as he walk, you know, as soon as he shows up for work, he's, he's running late and they've already opened and all the lanes are taken. And, and I'm curious how much pizza they gave out if they were giving out free pizza all day. And, and the band he got to eat free. Boys. Yeah. And the band. And, and then you have the, the sister's roommate who, you know, they, they kind of have this little flirtatious, um, rendezvous or interlude, whatever you want to call it. And then she ends up taking his spare key and taking it back with her when she leaves by accident. And when he, when she texts him to be like, Oh, I have your key. Can I have your address? He's like, Oh, keep it. You, you you're going to need it when you stop by on your way back to school to visit me. And it's like, okay, is, is there something going on there? Because the, she leaves, you know, like three quarters of the way through the film and you don't see what happens. You don't know where they actually stand because they only have that one, one night together. Sure, right. Um, um, yeah, I just, Oh, go ahead. Oh, and, and I was going to say in regards to like the, the fam or the, I keep calling it family funded, but the Friday fun day, were you unnerved as I was how, you know, you look outside and, and I did in, in the research that I did literally 10 minutes before we hit record. So after I'd seen the movie, uh, I saw that the, uh, uh, bowling alley that they used is a real bowling alley in Lansing, Illinois. And, uh, uh, my, there are a lot of scenes that were supposed to be daytime. Uh, we, 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 we've got a visitor, uh, that, that, uh, by the way, watched this movie while my son was napping on the couch. Uh, but no, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say there are a lot of scenes that take place during the day that if you look out the windows, it's nighttime. Yes. And yes, I did catch that. I don't, I mean, I, you know, having gone to film school, I always say that, that I credit that with ruining the film going experience for me because I look at that small details that probably a lot of people wouldn't pick up on. But yeah, I actually made that comment as we're sitting there watching. I'm like, wait a minute, isn't it supposed to be like 
10 o'clock in the morning and it's dark outside. Like, yeah. But I guess, you know, I, if it's a functioning uh, bowling alley, maybe it is a popular place and they could only get it for nighttime shoots. But you would think like, okay, then don't shoot the windows. Kind of like the quick stop, right? I mean, didn't they have to shoot a lot of that overnight because that's when the only time they had access to it, uh, Kevin Smith and company? I think so. And that's why they worked in the shutters being closed right. so that they could always have it dark. Um, so there is a little side side story, I suppose, of the uh, uh, El Diablo, who they believe, if you listen to the trailer, uh, spoiler, uh, you believe to be uh, the founder, Edward Winkle, uh, but he's actually just an old bowling team uh teammate of Winkle who, you know, essentially was uh, living, uh, uh, squatting in the back of the bowling alley that nobody really knew about. Uh, but he was always the first one in the bowling alley and, you know, would put his change down on the counter and kind of bowl all day. Um, they find him, they have to take him to the hospital and that's actually where we lose Samantha, who is that roommate slash love interest. Uh, but you do have kind of a, we, we've talked more about her than the sister. There's a lot of tension between uh, Jeff and his sister, Lindy, in that, uh, uh, you know, just they they don't get along. She's another one who didn't know that he wasn't working in IT and was just, you know, working as a manager of a bowling alley. And they kind of finally have a little bit of a, a reconciliation there towards the end. She, being in med school, kind of helps him. I don't you get the sense that they're breaking out this old man from the hospital who had like a, a mild cardiac episode or something like that. But everybody's like waving to him and they're running out of the hospital. And I didn't get that. It's like, you can't be getting like waved to by the nurses and, and the staff and be running out like you're, you know, running out against medical advice, you know, AMA as they say. So that, that was like, that's not right there. But, uh, you you do have like I said uh, a coming together you know they they kind of reform that brother sister bond or unity there towards the end so I mean that kind of put a nice little nice little bow on there so yeah you know I, I'm gonna sound like a broken record but yeah just the relationship between Jeff and his sister it doesn't really nothing is explained and then all of a sudden they're just kind of like okay we're all good and. And the bowling, the homeless guy, that the bowler, you know, they, like you mentioned, they set it up to be Mr. Winky. And I'm just like trying to put the pieces together of like, okay, if the family, if Mr. Winky opened this place in the 60s, you would have thought he would at least be in his 30s. And now it's 2017, which would be 50. Like, how old is this guy? Uh, you know, would he still be alive? And then even when you get the reveal of who he is, it's, there's nothing really there to, uh, I, I feel, to, to justify a a climactic moment or a, a wrap-up to the story. It's just like, hey, here's this old guy who liked to bowl, and now we're all bowling. Yeah, we're that, you, I, was, I was probably like you and probably like a lot of people who, you know, uh, have watched the movie and thought if that is, you know, Edward Winkle, I think that was the name, um, that... Uh, you know that um, uh, that he would have some kind of like ownership stake 
in you know like he'd be the secret silent majority owner who'd fallen on hard times because nobody went bowling anymore uh, but he loved it so much that he just had to stay there all the time and and he was going to put a stop to you know the sale of the bowling alley like that's that's where i thought it was going and of course yeah me too, me it, too. Th- there was no swerve uh vince russo clearly was not doing the booking and uh, uh or m night Shyamalan, right who what would have made us out that they were all just bowling in the mind of Edward Winkle. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they said that, uh, um, oh, I'm going to try to pull something. I guess we should we should kind of, uh, we completely ignored the fact that uh, John Hedder's character, Jeff, created an arcade game, like the, a one-of-a-kind arcade game that was in the arcade, and towards the end of the movie... Yeah, which, he, again, has no purpose. No, it really doesn't. Um but you know, it it shows him like topping his best score every day, or, or tying his best score, and it's like, well, it was Jeff, and this is my hundred thirteenth time of reaching the high score because I built the game, type of thing. Um, but we're as we get to the final few minutes here, we do need to. I mean, I didn't even see anything about any type of box office. I mean, this is not a movie that probably opened up in many theaters at all. Uh, but let's, as you mentioned, you, I mean, I, I don't say this as a cr- criticism, but you have repeated kind of the same uh, theme a lot in this episode, and that's just a lot of, a lot of unfinished business. Uh, all we really know at the end of the movie is that the bowling alley is closed, and everybody's kind of going their separate ways, and Jeff calls his mom, or at least you're led to believe that calls his mom. So, I mean, the, a lot of the interpersonal relationships just kind of they were there and now they're gone and you don't there's not a ton to build on there's not a a deep foundation but for some reason i just really like this movie and art is subjective and i didn't hate the movie i didn't dislike it it's just i was i was thinking about it earlier today and trying to wrap my you know thoughts together what i was going to say and I, the only movie that I could, the two movies that came to mind when trying to classify this film were Days and Confused and Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. And even though those take place over the course of one night and this movie takes place over the course of a few days, I just felt like, you know, Days and Confused, there's really no plot. It's just last day of school, kids hanging out, going, you know, to have this party, party gets busted, they end up at the moon tower. That's it. And it's all about just kind of finding out who they are through the course of the night. Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, which I've only seen it once. I don't know the full, I can't remember the full scope of the movie, but it's a similar thing where these characters are trying to get to a concert that keeps getting moved or delayed or or something like along those lines. And I didn't like Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist because I just felt like everything, there were too many contrivances to, keep the story, the plot moving along. And whereas Days Confused is an awesome movie. Um, if you don't believe me, just go check out the archives of Tom and Jim's top five. I think it makes the top five for every category, <laughs> no matter what. Um, Except for baseball players. <laughs> which it has a baseball scene, so it That's should true. be in there. Uh, but this movie, yeah, it just, it felt like you're just going through the motions of the daily life without anything really happening 
but then at the end, there's really no satisfaction, no um, real. I, I don't know anything more about Jeff at the end of the film that I knew about him at the beginning. Uh, the only thing I know about Stanford, his coworker, is that he, that I, you know, at the beginning he's just lackey sidekick. By the end, I know he plays drums and smokes pot. And the manager, I can't even remember what her name is, but all I know is she comes in and gets hammered every day while she's at work. There, I don't feel there is really any growth to any of these characters. Yeah, it's definitely one of those, you know, you, you get in, you, you know, experience their, you know, a couple of days of, of their lives, and then you're done. And, and for what it was, I, I was perfectly fine with it. I don't think it needed to be any longer. I think you probably could have done a little rewrite, but at the same time, when it's written and directed by the same guy, I don't know who Kendall Goldberg is. Um, I'm looking quickly at his IMDb because I know we're, uh, we're out of time, and uh, perhaps I should say her director writer over. I don't know. It just says it. it I don't know. I don't know. Kendall it might be a female. Uh, based on the picture, looks like it's a female. So apologize, Kendall. Um, but uh, uh, may, maybe I think you and uh, Mike DeKalb have said that a lot of movies are one or two rewrites away from being really good. I think this could have done away with some aspects of the movie and thrown in a little bit more character depth and been really remarkable. But for what it was, I enjoyed it. Chad, I'm not 100% sure, but I think we're out of time. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.